0: From the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I wanna thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Before our worship begins, I'd like to share with all of our members and friends a little bit about our financial situation. Regrettably, our projection for year-end reveals a deficit of $420,000 on our $5.7 million budget. While we've worked diligently to manage our resources and expenses, giving in 2022 and 2023 have fallen below expectations. I assure you that our trustees, session, and financial team have thoroughly explored all options to mitigate this situation. If we are unable to bridge this financial gap, difficult decisions will need to be made. This could include budget cuts, which might impact various aspects of our ministry, including a potential reduction in personnel for the year 2024. However, we believe that as a community bound by faith and shared values, we have the ability to overcome this challenge. And so I call upon each member and friend of First Prez to consider how you might be able to contribute to our financial strength. If you've already given in 2023 and have the capacity to go the second mile, please give more. If you've not given in 2023, please give today. You can mail a check, give by credit card, uh, give by stock transfer, or use the QR code that will be on the screen in just a few moments. Our congregation has had a successful capital campaign securing pledges of over $36 million. Our ministries with children and youth are bursting at the seams. Our worship attendance, both online and in person, are strong. Our community ministries continue to serve our most vulnerable neighbors and friends with compassion and great care. Our staff is strong, gifted, and committed to serving the mission of the church. My hope is that our giving will increase Uh, to support the strength of our ministry in this season of our life together. We will continue to communicate openly about our financial progress and any developments that we have as we move forward. Please keep our congregation, our leaders, and our shared mission in your prayers. If you have any questions or concerns, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. And thank you for tuning in to this week's broadcast.
1: A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied exaltation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor you have broken, as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us. A son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
2: A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter two. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place in the inn.
3: Friends, our third scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the
0: child lying in the manger. It was two weeks before Christmas, 2007. Katie was six months pregnant with our second son, Luke, and I was getting ready for the day in the bathroom. Katie came in in a very gentle and tired way, said, Tony, sometimes I don't think you really appreciate how much hard work it is to bring a human into this world. Not to mention that this is the second time now that I'm doing it. To which I said, well, Katie, I don't think you really appreciate all the work I do for you and our family. That's right, someone said, oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, That was, of course, not the message she was hoping for. That was not the word that she wanted to hear from me. It's not what I should have said. I don't know what the circumstances of your life are tonight, but you've come into this place for some reason. Maybe it's still a little bit cloudy or perhaps it's clear. But tonight, many of us come hoping for a message, hoping for a particular word, hoping for a message that we desperately need to hear, a word even perhaps that God would speak to us. It's Christmas Eve and the old Christmas hymn presents The most important question of the hour, what child is this? And I'd like to suggest tonight that this child, this Jesus, is in fact the message we've been hoping for. The message we've been praying for. The message that we've been longing for, perhaps even dying for, some of us know it and some of us Don't. This child is the word of God, It's the message of God, spoken in flesh and in blood, in proximity, in vulnerability, in power and in love. And on this sacred day, in these few moments, we prepare our hearts and our minds and our souls to receive the message we're hoping for. That indeed, this is good news of great joy for everyone. For if, for if it is not good news for everyone, it's not good news. And tonight I believe that it is good news for all of us whether or not we have come knowing what we're looking for or exactly what we're looking for. We believe that God is ready to speak that message again. Let us pray. Lord, break open this old, old story so that we'd be changed, that we would know more of you and know more of ourselves and who we're called to be. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I believe that many of us come here tonight, whether we know it or not, longing to hear a message that we are deemed worthy, that we are worthy of God's affection, that we are worthy of God's presence, that we are worthy of God's love. The Dallas uh, Street Choir was founded in 2014 with the mission of providing a musical outlet for those experiencing homelessness. Their motto is a beautiful one, homeless, not voiceless. The choir is made up of men and women living in shelters or on the streets uh, across the city. And a few years ago, the director, Dr. Jonathan Pallant, reached out to, of all places, Carnegie Hall. And he pitched the idea of this street choir singing at their historic venue he made the assumption correctly that no homeless choir had ever sung at Carnegie Hall. And to his sheer joy and amazement, Carnegie got back to him and said that he could bring his choir for a concert. Well, word got out both in Dallas and around the country that this street choir was going to perform at Carnegie Hall, and the Today Show picked it up. And they interviewed Jonathan Pallant, the director, the day before the concert. And the host said to him, Jonathan, this is a big deal. Carnegie Hall, I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than this. And the director nodded his head in agreement and said, yes, it's a very big deal. And then the host asked a very interesting question. She said, do you think the choir is good enough for this venue. I mean, do you think that they are Carnegie good? Without missing a beat, Dr. Pollant responded, the question shouldn't be, are they Carnegie good? The question should be, are they Carnegie worthy? And that, he said, is what they are. They are totally and completely worthy. Friends, the word we need to hear tonight is that we have been deemed worthy. God's fantastic choice to take on flesh and blood and dwell among us is not dependent on our goodness or lack thereof, God's coming to us is not dependent on our ability to keep our life in key or on pitch or in tune. God's coming is not dependent upon our ability to say the right thing at the right time. Thanks be to God. God's coming is not dependent upon us at all. On the contrary, God's coming is predicated On God's character and God's nature the one who created the conditions for your life to be a life deems you and me and the entire cosmos worthy because this God the creator of all things is love this God is love and that incarnate love was willing to be subject to human experience even human sin That love was willing to be rejected, persecuted, mocked, and nailed to a cross. That incarnate love was so powerful, so magnificent, that it could not be defeated even by death itself. It was raised to new life and resurrection power. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 is convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ is God's message to you and to me that we are in fact deemed worthy. Not only that, but there's also another message that many of us long to hear that we so desperately want to hear. That this child, Jesus Christ, is not against you, but is for you. Jesus Christ is for us. He is working in your life, known and unknown, seen and unseen, for your good. For your good. In the words of the prophet Jeremiah, he has plans for your welfare and not your harm. He has for those who are hungering for something more out of life, to those who have been left malnourished by the materialism and dataism and narcissism of our age. Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry. He is one for those who long to produce more mercy and more forgiveness in their inner life, in their relationships. In their marriages, in their partnerships with their children, with their parents, with their siblings, with their family, their friends, and their community. Jesus says, I'm the vine, and those who remain in me will bear great fruit. He's for those tired of the lies that evil and violence and hate spread, tired of being misaligned and misdirected. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. He's for those who feel like they're living under constant threat and sabotage and danger of all kinds. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I will take care of my sheep. He's for those who fear death, who are scared to face what lies beyond our final breath. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He's for those who have lived far too long in darkness. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's for those who are tired and brokenhearted. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, and I will mend your broken heart. He's for those who are racked by shame and regret. Jesus says, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. He's for those who believe that the world would be better off without them. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to you in full measure. He's all these things and so much more. And he wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he is for you. He's for you. The word we need to hear is that Jesus Christ deems us worthy, that Jesus Christ is for us. And finally, that Jesus Christ gives us a vision for a future where we are truly free. There are two men in our congregation who helped found and lead our Redemption after prison ministry here at First Pres along with our director of community ministries, Trisha Pesuth. It's a support group for men who have served multiple years in state or local or federal prisons. Once a month, these men share a meal together on our campus. They pray together and they're exposed to resources for work and housing and social and mental health care services. Simmons, a black man, and Bill, a white man, actually started their friendship in prison. And during their one hour a day of exercise time, Simmons and Bill chose to spend it walking together, sharing in friendship and conversation. Well, one day a bunch of black inmates approached Simmons and asked, hey Simmons, why do you always hang out with that white dude? And Simmons answered two reasons. First, he listens to me and he cares about what I have to say and what I'm thinking. And second, I just enjoy talking with him. One of the guys in the group asked Simmons, well, what is it that you talk about that you like so much? And this is what he said. We talk about what we're going to do when we get out. We talk about what we're going to do differently how we're gonna love more fully, how we're gonna be better men than the men who found themselves in this prison. We talk about what we're going to do when we are free. Friends, the word we need to hear is that this child gives us a vision for what is possible for a future where we are truly free. Jesus says, "I've, I've come to proclaim Release to the captives, to liberate the oppressed. And I don't know what binds you in these days, but you do. Perhaps it's an addiction. Perhaps it's a bitterness or an anger ablaze like fire. Perhaps it's a longing for things that once were but can no longer be. Maybe what imprisons you is self-doubt that masquerades as arrogance. Perhaps what imprisons you is self hatred, or self-loathing. Perhaps you're imprisoned by a self-centeredness that refuses to love your neighbor. Perhaps it's a toxicity in your relationships that blinds you to the needs of others. Maybe what imprisons you is a deep, dark secret that ensnares you in shame or regret. Maybe what imprisons you is a, a fear or anxiety or melancholy or immobilizing grief. Or perhaps you're imprisoned by garbage thinking that says you have to be more than who you are, which is just a human being filled with strengths and weaknesses made in the image of God. From all these things, you can be free. And Jesus says, if I set you free, you will be free indeed. And when we are free, we can be more like Christ, departing from evil, doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with our God. The word many of us need to hear this night is the word God speaks to us again in and as Jesus Christ. God's word in Jesus Christ to you and to me is that we have been deemed worthy God's word in Jesus Christ to you and to me is that he is not against us. He is for us. God's word to you and to me in Jesus Christ is that he can set us free for a purpose-filled and Christ-like future. Listen to this word that we long to hear. Embrace it and invite the Christ child to be born in you so we may be born again. Amen.